What happens when you mix a Jekyll and Hyde personality and a fatal obsession? Hi everyone and welcome to the new edition of Crime Over Cocktails where I like to share my favorite stories with all of you guys. There are so many twists and turns in this episode that I thought it would be matched perfectly with a twisted tea. Well, I mean, mine's just vodka and iced tea, no, no lemonade, but I mean, you know what I mean. So this story is about Dave Krupa, Liz, Shana Goyer, and Carrie Farber. Dave Krupa, originally from Council Bluffs, Ohio, was a 35-year-old recently separated from his longtime girlfriend, Amy Flora, of 12 years and father of two, decided it was time to start over and move to Omaha, Nebraska in 2012. Dave has always been classified as being a nice guy, but also a ladies' man. While in Omaha, he became a mechanic had his bachelor pad apartment and decided he would try online dating like most people do. One of the first girls that he met was Liz. Her real name is Shana Golier. She also had two children around the same ages as Dave's kids. And she just seemed like a good woman. She was a businesswoman. He found her to be very smart, very sexy. They decided to make their first date a very casual one. They went and had some coffee at the local coffee shop. Dave was very upfront that he was just out of a 12-year relationship and was not looking for a commitment. He just wanted to have some fun. Liz seemed to be okay with the situation and agreed that things would be casual and that they could see other people. One day while Dave was at work, he was working the counter at the auto shop that he works at, a woman walked in to have her Ford Explorer worked on. Carrie Farber, she was 37 from Mansonia, Iowa, and was a fun and popular girl. People were just drawn to her. In her yearbook, she actually put that she wanted to always have a smile on her face and to be a bit crazy. She was very smart with numbers. She became a single mom at 22, and by the late 20s, she was diagnosed with bipolar depression. By 2012, she was in a good place and became a computer programmer. Her son was then going into high school, and everything was good. One of Carrie's friends remember her telling her that she met this guy that wasn't really her type, but there was just like some kind of connection there. Like She just felt like there was something with this guy. So one day Dave is online and just happens to run across Carrie's dating profile. So he decided that he would slide into her DMs and asked her out and she accepted. They went to Applebee's and everything just seemed to click. They hit it off really well. Dave asked her if she would like to go back to his house and she said yes. While they were there, they got to kissing and as things started to heat up, Carrie stops them and says, if we're gonna do this, you are not my boyfriend, and this is all that it is. He always gave the same spiel, but he did it to the women. He's thinking, I just hit the jackpot. The night of their first date, Liz stops by to get a few of her things and left. Liz and Carrie had only had a brief six-second encounter, and Carrie seemed cool with it. She didn't seem bothered, um, especially since it was an unannounced visit. 
she wasn't sure what was happening with this new adventure, but just that what they had so far was working. So much that Carrie would start staying at Dave's house more than her own due to the fact that she was dealing with a large project at work and it was convenient for her to stay around his apartment as it was located around the corner from her job. And her house was like an hour away, I believe they said, from work. So yeah, it's a big difference. After two weeks of dating, Carrie had a key. So needless to say, he was very comfortable with her at this point. On November 13th, 2012, it was a normal morning. Dave gets ready for work, kissed Carrie goodbye, and heads off to work. He's expecting to see her again later that night at his house, but when he gets to work, the day started to take an unusual turn. He gets a text message from Carrie saying, I think we should move in together. So he's a little thrown off by this because they had a complete understanding of where the relationship was at and that they both agreed not to make any kind of final moves until later on in the relationship so he texts her back and says something like you know we talked about this and you know like no <laughs> pretty much no and immediately received a text back saying fine i hate you i don't want to see you anymore i'm dating somebody new He's blown away. He doesn't know what the hell just happened. She was fine at the house. Now she's telling me she's seeing somebody new. When he left, she was happy and everything seemed fine. Well, after about a day and a half of silence, the text messages started back up again, saying things like, you ruined my life. I hate you. He's literally thinking, wow, I dodged a bullet. Like, I thought this girl was great, and she's nuts. But come to find out, Dave Krupa was not the only person who started getting weird messages from Carrie on that November 13, 2012. Her mother, Nancy Rainey, received messages stating that she decided to take a job in Kansas and that she was leaving her son, Max, now age 14, in her care. Her mother could not get her to pick up the phone and talk to her. She thought maybe she was off her meds and would give her some time. But after time grew, Carrie started to miss some particularly important events that they do not believe she would have missed. Her brother's wedding, for one. She was supposed to pick up her son, Max, to take him to the wedding because he was supposed to be an usher. And she never showed up to pick him up either. After that, her mother reports are missing, but since she told the police that she was diagnosed with bipolar, they didn't take it seriously. Every day, Dave is getting more and more messages, and they are becoming more and more disturbing. He would get messages with her calling him names, using profanity, and just acting like a woman scorned. He lost count how many times he had to change his phone number. The messages were also showing jealousy of his ex-girlfriend, Liz, who he had dated previously. But that just confused them even more because when Carrie and Liz met, they were both fine. There was no worries. It seemed like neither of them really cared the other one was there. Within days of all this harassment, Dave now started getting messages from Liz telling him that now she is being harassed by Carrie and she wanted answers. You know, how is this woman calling me? How is she sending me messages? How is she sending me emails? How did she get my information? I only had one run in with her. And of course, Dave's like, I, I don't know. I have no clue. Well, on November 23rd, 2012, 
10 days after Carrie disappeared. Liz came home to find her garage vandalized and it said, whore from Dave in spray paint. She calls the cops to file a report and the cops go straight to Dave to talk to him. He said that as the cops approached him that they looked very mean and they were coming to like interrogate him. But as soon as they started that he was like, wait, no, he's like, you guys got it all wrong. I'm being harassed too. And shows them the messages in the email that he had from Carrie and their demeanor completely changed. This whole time, she's also texting her mother and her mother is begging her to call. And her reply would be, well, this is all you're getting. She would tell her mom that she was going to come back and move her son, Max, to Kansas. And her son was scared to the point that her mother decided to take over guardianship of him to show him that he was safe, that his mother couldn't just come and pick him up. As time went on, she missed her own birthday, Thanksgiving. But when she missed her father's funeral, Nancy knew something was very wrong. She did receive a message from Carrie, though, saying, sorry, I missed the funeral. Her mother replied with the only way I know this is you is if you pick up the phone and call me. Let me hear your voice. The text messages would then turn mean, saying things like you weren't a good mother, calling her names. Dave, at this point, is getting oh, 60 plus texts and about 100 emails a day. She would talk about Liz as being a fat cow. She looks like she lost her puppy. Maybe she will do us a favor and kill herself, LOL. One night, Dave was at home, sitting in his lazy boy, feet up, relaxing, and he received a text message from Carrie. And it says, I see you in your chair with your feet up and your blue shirt. I like to watch you. That's creepy. One night in January, two months after all this started, he found her Ford Explorer abandoned at his house. So, of course, he calls the cops. They come and pick it up. They were only able to find one perfect fingerprint on a mint container found in the cup holder. But when they ran the fingerprint, it did not show any matches in the database. One night after her father died, her mother had a dream that her husband came to her and said, Nancy, don't worry, she's with me. Five months later, Nancy gets a call from a man stating that Carrie is in a homeless shelter and wants you to pick her up. She goes to the shelter with the police staying in the car, but when they come out, they're just shaking their heads. Carrie was not there. Carrie was never there. And she was just devastated, which, I mean, you can only imagine you're being toyed with like this. Amber Jones, who was a close friend to Carrie, gets a text message saying, I'm finally ready to come home now. But when Amber asks where she wants her to pick her up, where are we meeting, how can I get you? No response. Her son, Max, decided to send his mom a text that just simply said hi, just, just to see if he could get a response. And he immediately does. Uh, it says, hey, little man, how are you? And he decided that he was going to give her three questions that she needed to answer to prove that it's really his mother. The first one was, what was what's my middle name? The second, well, what's our first boxer's name? And then the name of his best friend. He gets no reply. 
But Carrie does turn to Facebook and vents that she's answered enough questions to prove herself. Actually, I have it right here and it says, I have answered enough questions to prove myself to everyone I am done. You can't either believe I am your daughter, mother, sister, a friend that you have known your whole life, or you can just leave me alone. I have proven myself over and over and I'm done. I left on my own free will and I am sick of everyone giving me a hard time for doing what I needed to do. I am not missing. I just don't want to come home right now. I am a grown woman and if I feel like leaving home, I have the right. I asked my son, Max, and then put Maxwell James in parentheses to come with me, but you didn't want to. So when I'm ready to come back home, I will. I'm sorry for hurting everyone and just up and leaving. I know I've upset some of you, but I needed to do this for me. Sorry, and I hope someday you can forgive me. I really love all of you very much, but I need time still to sort things out. Hmm. Dave at this point has thousands of text messages and emails and they're saying, Hey loser, am I new? Am I ruining your life yet? I want to drive a stake through your heart and I'm pretty creepy messages. So with both Liz and Dave being harassed day by day seems minute by minute. It actually brings them back together and they decide, well, let's give it another try. Why not? You know, they found a common ground. They would be sitting on the couch right next to each other and their phones would be going off almost at the same time with harassing messages from Carrie. One email that was sent back in January of 2013 that was sent to Dave included a photo of a bound and gagged woman in a trunk of a vehicle. Underneath, it says, you will dump Golier and you will start seeing me again. If you don't agree, she will stay in my trunk. And since no one knows my car, you won't find her. So at this point, they're so over it. So Dave, he calls Liz and she answers and he's like, you're not tied up in a car right now, are you? And she's laughing. She's like, no. So he's like, all right. Cool, I'm going back to bed. Like nothing shocked them anymore. It just nothing. In August of 2013, Dave gets a frantic call from Liz saying that her house is on fire. She lost two dogs, a cat, and a snake that were in the house at the time of the fire. Liz goes to the police station and starts to paint a picture of how she's been harassed and stalked since last November by a woman named Carrie. And at this point, Dave feels horrible. He's thinking, oh my God, I brought this woman into my life, an hour life, and she's just causing a mess. She, she just won't go away. Two months later, Dave's auto shop is vandalized. And in fluorescent orange paint, it said, Dave beats women. So, I mean, obviously, he freaks out. This is his job. I mean, it's not like it was on, like, a side street. This was on a main street. So, not like he could really hide it. So, he's on the edge. He decided it's time. He went and bought a gun. November 1st of 2013, 
was the one year anniversary of the first date. Carrie sends a message titled, To My Husband, and sends a photo of a knife. Even after a year that Liz and Dave reconnected, they weren't serious. He was still actively trying to find other women online. He even recalled one girl that he talked to in a chat room for maybe like 10 minutes became a target. She was then getting messages from Carrie saying that her and her children would be killed. Who does this? January 2014, Heather Tweed, a longtime friend of Dave, came to visit, and within a few hours, his phone started going nuts. If I see you in there with that whore, that obviously she saw her go inside. Well, of course, they don't think anything of it. They just ignore it. But when they're in bed about to go to sleep, a brick was thrown through the bathroom window. Dave got so scared that him and Heather got in his car and they actually went over to make sure Liz was okay. He thought that she was going to be the next target. Amy Flora, who's the mother of their two children, is now also getting text messages saying, saying things like, are you Dave's whore? It, it was just, it was a strain on everybody. Anybody who was involved getting all these messages was just over it. <laughs> I mean, can you blame them? I don't know. I would have done other things, but you know. Um, spring of 2015, two and a half years after Carrie was last seen. And that was all happening in spring of 2015, two and a half years after Carrie was seen. Two and a half years, for God's sake. Now new people are being harassed. Like, so the case was considered to be kind of like water cooler topic. People would just talk about it in the halls, about how weird of a case it was. And Sergeant Jim Dottie and Deputy Ryan Evis were intrigued. They wanted to see if they could take a crack at it, but they would use a different strategy that nobody's tried yet. Jim would work the case as if Carrie was dead, and Ryan would work the case as if she was alive. No one's heard her voice. Her accounts have not been touched. And when they looked back on the text messages from Carrie, they were filled with grammatical errors, spelling errors. Carrie simply just did not talk like that. There were 15,000 text messages and 12,500 emails within a three-year span. They were aware of her bipolar diagnosis, but they really didn't feel like that had anything to do with what was going on here. They now realized that they were looking into a homicide. What happened to Carrie when she left David's house that morning? They notice while they're going through the files that one name is in there a lot associated with Carrie, and that name was Liz. Things just were not adding up, though. It just didn't make sense. They saw each other for six seconds, and Carrie ends up missing. They go and tell Nancy, her mother, that they have reopened the case, and that they don't think Carrie left on her own terms. She is now, con she's now considered a missing person. Her mother is relieved that someone is actually taking this seriously and decides that she's going to show them a picture that she received from Carrie. And that picture was a check. And in the 
correspondence with it, she stated that she sold everything in the house and that her mother was to go over there with her key and to let them in so she could they could collect all the belongings. The check was for $5,000 and the signature at the bottom was, drumroll, Shanna Goyer. Maybe she thought nobody knew her real name. At this point, they're not letting Liz know that they're on her. They wait to see her next move and they wouldn't have to wait long. She's spotted in the station talking and walking with another detective saying she has a new suspect that she's not even sure if it's been Carrie this whole time. And that now she thinks it's not Carrie because it wouldn't make sense. They didn't know each other, but it has to be Amy Flora, the mother of his children. They decide to tell Dave what where they think this case is going so far. And Dave, poor Dave, Dave just doesn't know what to think. He's replaying everything in his mind. And he's like, but we were sitting next to each other when we got the messages. And like, it's, just, it's not possible. But in December 2015, after Ryan Avis saw Liz at the station wanting to talk, he decided that he was going to use that to his advantage. He went to her house and said, hey, you know, I want to do a follow-up. I heard you stopped in and my caseload, you know, it's low. So I would like to take your statement. So she lets him in and starts going over the case. Uh, you know, that at first she thought it was Carrie Farber, but now she realizes it has to be Amy Flora because someone who dates somebody for two weeks doesn't harass people for three years. So it had to be the other ex. They have her sign a consent that allows them to scan her phone so they can copy all the harassing text messages, not realizing that they can copy everything, even things that were already been deleted. When Dave gets home on the day that they were talking to Liz, he notices that the box that he kept as nine millimeter Smith and Weston box was moved. When he opens it, it's empty. So right away, he calls the cops. And when Liz was asked about it, because she was actually still there, she's, or they were still with her, she said that she knows Amy, Amy must have took it. December 5th, 2015, in Big Lake Park, Iowa, six days after Dave's gun went missing, 911 gets a call from Liz, stating that she was walking in the park, trying to clear her mind, when she was approached by a female who shot her in the leg and then apparently made her get down on the ground and said, how do you like fucking Dave while she was being shot in her thigh? She said at first she didn't know who it was, but then later on she, she knew it was Amy. Cops, needless to say, they're not really buying her story anymore, but, you know, they still have to check it out. But Amy had a full alibi for the day of the shooting. She was at home with her children, and even neighbors said that she was never seen leaving her house. The car never left the driveway. So they know for a fact it was not Amy. So apparently it appears she shot herself. You know, they love to play the victim so well. So Dave's now starting to realize, you know what? It's been Liz this whole time. He even used his gun for the shooting. And he's just constantly asking himself, how did I not see it? 
How did I not see this? It took the detective more than 3,000 hours of his own free time looking at all the messages that were sent in this span. He found 20 to 30 fake email addresses, all traced back to Liz. She had an app on her phone which allowed her to schedule text messages so they would come while they were sitting together. They found the picture of her laying in the trunk on her phone, which she took herself, a picture of Carrie's car. And that might not sound like anything, but the date stamp was one month before it was even discovered. So what was she doing around that car? She made six calls to Carrie from her phone, which wouldn't make sense if you just walk by a person in the hallway. You're really going to just know their phone number, start trying to call them. Two weeks after she was shot, they call Liz in for questioning. They tell her that on 12-14, this had to take her 40 to 50 hours a week to be able to pull this off. This was a full-time job. <laughs> like, Think about it. Between emails, text messages, her messaging, numerous people, nods, this completely consumed her. Two weeks after she was shot, they call Liz in for questioning and tell her that on December 14th of 2015, they found remains and asked her who she thought may be responsible. Now, of course, they're lying to her. They really did not find the remains, but they wanted to see what she were, where she would go with that. Is that Amy? They were together for 12 years and she's still in his life. So they play it off as, you know, they're buying this new story and tell her, well, do you think you could get anything from her? Do you think that she would tell you what she did with Carrie? I mean, that would be great. Amy confesses via email. And that says, I shot you, Liz, to make sure Dave stays away from you. I got rid of the gun. So Jim calls Liz and he's like, this is great. Now see if you can get her to talk about what she did with Carrie. See if she can describe it. Push her on Carrie. A few days later, they get a new email from Liz stating that Amy. So a few days later, they get an email and it's from Liz. And of course, now she's stating that it's from Amy. And this time it does have details. Imagine that. So it says, when I met Crazy Carrie, she would not shut up about being Dave's wife. She tried to attack me, but I stabbed her three to four times in the chest and the stomach and burned her. I stuck her in the garbage can with crap. Okay, first of all, who writes an email like that? They decide that now they're just going to fuck with Liz. They want to push her to her breaking point. So it was very apparent. Now Liz is afraid of Amy and she's scared that they're going to get back together. So they tell Dave to move in with Amy. And then within a few days, they get a call from Liz and she is bawling her eyes out. And she's so upset that Amy is not in jail yet. She tells them, so the only person getting something out of this is her. So she gets to shoot somebody and then she gets to kill another person. And then she gets to move in with Dave. 
and she gets to be free and you're not arresting her. The things I sent were very graphic and she's not arrested yet. So they keep telling her that we need more, but we need more. We're trying to build a case. Does that not sound like a, like, like a tantrum of a child? <laughs> it was my joy and she's playing with it. So surprise, surprise, more emails show up. This one says, I really did kill Carrie. I did it in her car. This would be the third time that they would have to search Carrie's car, but at least this time, now they know what they were looking for. They take apart the passenger seat and on the padding underneath, they find blood. They took the DNA and it came back to match Carrie. The mint container that came back had a fingerprint match to Liz. Dave also remembers that he had an old tablet of Liz when the detectives came to keep checking up. So he handed it over to them. And when they got it back and was able to break into it, they found the smoking gun. There was a picture of a burned body, but what appeared to be a foot, just, just a foot but it was very burned. But what they were able to make out of it was a Chinese simple tattoo. And that was identified as being Carrie's tattoo. She was then arrested for Carrie's presumed murder in December of 2016 and received a life sentence. Carrie's body's never been found still to this day. That is crazy. But when you sit back and you think about all of that, <laughs> this woman is delusional. I mean, that's taking it to like ride or die to, I don't know. So they had to come to realize that actually Liz shot Liz. Liz burnt Liz's house down. She killed her own animals. I mean, this is taking a whole nother step. Like, seriously, come on now. <laughs> no man is worth all of this shit. And the whole time she was still not the only person. I, I, I can't. Just can't. Well, I would love to know your guys' comments and opinions. So make sure you drop me a line and let me know what you think. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. I'm on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, we got Instagram, Facebook, on the Apple, make sure to leave that five-star review. And if you want to check out the official Crime Over Cocktails page, you can go to crimeovercocktails.com. And there is a link for becoming a Patreon, or if you would like some official Crime Over Cocktails merch. All right, everybody, have a good evening, and we will talk crime another time.